Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. You know, I, I, wanna re- I started a series last week called An Ephesians Community. And how many were here for the last week? We started that. It was powerful. Lots of healing took place. And the reason why um, I started this series, it was based on a powerful prophetic word that our community uh, received that was very accurate about the six chapters of Ephesians and how each of the chapters has a specific pillar that is uh, assigned as a mandate to Remnant Christian Center. And this uh, woman of God, Cheryl Allen, if you remember that, she had no idea what our vision is. She has no idea what our DNA is. But our DNA is actually healing, inner healing, identity, uh, restoration, marriages. She said all that. So she actually, the Lord gave her that there are six or seven pillars for RCC that we are uh, assigned to by the Lord. Isn't that amazing? You know, I felt for just a, just a second, not to that magnitude, but I felt that that was so much from the Lord that it was Jesus himself saying it to this church. Now, it transcends past this church because Ephesians is the book of the Bible for everybody. But what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about um, the second pillar today, I want you, want you to buckle your seatbelts today because the first pillar that she talked about, and it's in chapter one, just a review, was last week we talked about identity. Say identity. Well, that was amazing, right? We talked about our, uh, our achieved identity is that we get from, from what we do, which is not from the Lord. Amen? Amen? Achieved identity is a lot of people in the body of Christ that they get their identity by what they do. I'm a lawyer. I'm a pastor. And I'm, a, I'm a whatever. Well, before I'm a pastor, before you're a lawyer, before you're a business person, you're a child of God. Amen? The second pillar that we, sorry, the second reality of identity was your deceived identity. And a lot of people in the body of Christ are in their deceived identity. What does that mean? Is that they're walking around being identified by their failures or by the enemy himself, the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says the accuser of the brethren accuses day and night. Here's the news flash. That means he never will stop. So if he never stops, it's important that we know our identity because he will not stop. He will never stop accusing you to the Father day and night. He sinned last night. She failed last night. He's, he's this. He's lazy. He's a no good. He's a deadbeat. He's this. He's that. And then we adopt those identities as a deceived identity. Then the third identity we talked about, which is all, all in chapter one, is your received identity. Your rece- Everybody say received. Is the identity that we receive from the Lord. And one thing that I said last week, again, this is just review because there's a lot of people that weren't here, uh, but uh, I said something really uh, um, important that the Lord so, told me last week, which was this. Our identity is revealed when our, our, our mentality and uh, mind is unlocked. So when our mind and our understanding is unlocked, our identity is revealed. Amen? Can I hear an amen? And so in chapter 2, we're going to start in just a second. I just want to review. It talks about a couple other things. Uh, it talks about the magnificent grace of God. If you have Ephesians, read chapter 2. The magnificent grace of God. Where would we be without the grace of God? I mean, where would we be? The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians talked about that, and Ephesians also talked about identity again, because as he said, we're seated in heavenly places, which means we have dual citizenship. Dual citizenship, that means we're citizens here in America, and we're citizens in heaven. But when you know that, you'll have a different perspective. How will your life be if you view things from a heavenly perspective instead of an earthly perspective? Can I hear an amen? And so it brings us to Ephesians chapter 2, which we're going to talk about, and here's, here's, I haven't said it, but here's what it is. When, the, when, uh, when Cheryl prophesied to us about chapter 2 over RCC, and boy, she nailed this one because this is one of our biggest DNA. It's reconciliation and restoration, not only between God and man, but chapter 2, she says, it's for RCC. You are called to bring reconciliation and healing with other people. Oh, I'm going to preach this morning because reconciliation with God, can I be honest with you, is really Uh, easy at this point because he paid for it all. We have to surrender, but it's reconciling our differences and our hurts with people that God has given us, not only a mandate for this house, because we have inner healing, we have journey, and she did not know that, but it's our duty to be free. Let me tell you a newsflash. You and I cannot be free if you are right with God and wrong with man. You cannot be right with God and wrong with people. Well, I don't believe that, Pastor George. I'm going to tell you several scriptures, and to some, it may be a review to some of you. 
And to some, I'm going to share some things that I've shared before about a year and a half ago about how to fix um, broken relationships and wounded relationships. And I'm doing this because I feel it's so necessary. Can I hear an amen? It is so necessary not only for the body of Christ, but can I just be honest, to our own families. We need to hear this. I'm surprised I'm not getting a lot of amens. But, it's, but, but you know what? It's okay because healing, just like, like Pastor John said, before healing happens, and especially in a wounded uh, type of scenario, you have to maybe go through some pain first. But what I mean by pain is the healing pain. When they take a rotted tooth out of your mouth, you know what's going to happen. It's stopping it from spreading all over your mouth. And when you heal, while you're healing, it's going to hurt. But it's the healing hurts. Right Now, what would you rather have, a healing hurt that's on the way to healing or a hurt that never is addressed? We are called to reconcile our, our differences, our offense, our bitterness with each other. Come on, I'm going to preach good here. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 11. This is the second pillar we're going to harp on today, and I want nobody to be distracted, nobody to leave early unless it's an emergency because I really feel, you know, as Pastor Christina, Pastor Christina, she is our, uh, our worship pastor, she said something so powerful today, you know. She said, can you just give God a moment? You know, I did. when she said that, I realized, you know, I'm searching my scriptures. I don't have a, a flip Bible that the old school way. I, I use my phone for scriptures. But even while I'm searching for scriptures, I want to be attentive to what God is doing now. And, you know, during that time of worship, it was so powerful, Christina. And, um, I mean, it's just such a moment when you just engage. God could do more in five minutes when you're focused on him than a whole hour when you're not focused. Amen? Just because you sit in a room for two hours doesn't mean you've engaged for two hours. <laughs> right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 in the NLT. If you're there, say amen. Don't forget that you Gentiles, us, used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens, Paul, by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their heart. I love that. In these days, you were living apart from Christ. Here's where reconciliation comes. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. And that was true. The Gentiles at one point were not included in the citizenship of Israel. But by the cross, we have. We, because we are the Gentiles, all right? Look at this. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Are you ready? Here's the hallelujah moment. But now, say now. Come on, say now. You have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. That's the first part of reconciliation is that we are brought near and reconciled us strangers, that wild branch in Romans 11, that wild branch that was rebellious. We were brought near to Christ by the blood of Jesus. That's the first part of reconciliation. Are you ready for the second part? For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united <laughs> Jews and Gentiles into one people. When? In his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. The wall of hostility that separates us. Do you know that there's a wall today, even an RCC of hostility, that's separating many families? There's a wall of hostility that is separating you and another, another person that has hurt you or you have hurt another person and it still remains undealt with. I'm saying this because I'm going to pastor you today because I don't want you to stay in the same place that you've been for, that, for all this time. You must do something about your healing. It will not come automatically. For Christ himself had brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles until when people went in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Keep going. He did, this by, he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace. Everybody say peace. Between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two people groups. Together as one body, Christ, say this with me, reconciled both groups. Oh, that stood out to me. Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. Our hostility towards each other was put to death. Guess what that, you know what he's saying? That's past tense. 
It was put to death. That means that even relational conflict has been dealt with by the power of the cross. That means through the person of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to reconcile damaged relationships. I have said this before, and some of this, again, is review, but I want to say this because there's a lot of new people, and I want to say this up front. I want you to get this slide ready. It's not probably going to be in the order that I gave it to you guys, but it's this. A relationship is wounded first before it's broken. A relationship first is wounded first long before a relationship is broken. By the time a relationship is broken, it's because it's been wounded for a while and nothing has been done to treat the wound. Anytime you have broken relationships in families, anytime you have a broken relationship in a marriage, anytime you have a broken relationship in friendships, anytime you have a broken relationship in a ministry dynamic, just know it didn't happen that day. It was wounded for a long time and it was not addressed for a long time and eventually that wound spread and it broke the relationship. But I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit can reconcile that. For the sake of your heart, hallelujah, for the sake of your mind, for the sake of your emotions, you don't want to live another day angry and all bottled up and all scared and all fearful and all kinds of mess. Deal with your reconciliational needs with people. I tell people, they tell me, what is your biggest stress starting the church? And they say, they thought I was going to say finances. I don't even, they like pray about it. I go, I don't have to pray about it. I can tell you right now what my biggest hurt, what my biggest stress was starting RCC. Here it goes relational conflict money money came money comes and goes that's not you know that's not a real big issue it's the hurt the the surprises that happens in our family the surprises that happens in our relational relations with people come on I'm preaching good here I want you to see this because I'm trying to help you today because one of the pillars of Ephesians is getting right with your brothers and sisters you and I cannot claim to love God 100% if we are silent in issues that need reconciliation. And I'm going I'm to give you a little foreshadow, but that is called a peacemaker, not a peace, uh, sorry, a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker. I'm going to share that with you in just a second, all right? Because God has empowered us. Say empowered us. Because the very definition of reconciliation, I want you to see this. I shared it, I believe, a year ago, but I never put it on the screen. So I want you to see this. Look at this, the, 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 the slide when it comes to reconciliation, what it means. Look at this. It means to, I know it's a lot, but just look at it. To return to delightful favor with one another. By the way, I'm talking to all types of relationships. I'm talking about husband, wives, friends, bosses. Uh, uh, if, if, if there's a, a big hurt there, I'm talking about if there's something that has still been unresolved. Uh, before you read this, before you read this, here's, here's my little uh, pastoral advice for you. It's going to sting a little bit, but it's going to hurt. So do you want it? Because it's going to heal you, right? Address the elephants in the room in your relationships. Do not continue to go on ignoring the elephant in the room right there about that other person or about that other thing or that other entity because it will never leave you. To return to life of favor with no one another, watch this, to bridge the gap. Some of you are waiting. You know, here, let me pause. You know why some of you are not getting right, reconciled? is because you're waiting for the other person to do it. I'm going to break everything down for you today. I'm going to break both sides so there's no escape. Like, there's, Jesus actually covers both sides. If someone offends you and if you are offended with another person, he, he, gives, no, he gives no, like, okay, you're, you're sliding, but the other person, he doesn't have to slide. He deals with both types of people. There's two types of people in this room that are hurt relationally. Either you offended somebody, and you know that you offended somebody, and you hurt somebody, or you know that someone is offended about you. <laughs> It got quiet up in RCC here. Either, either you have been hurt by somebody or you know that somebody is offended and hurt by you. Now, I, I want to share this because all these words, look at this, to bridge the gap, the distance between two or more. By the way, in your app soon, you don't even have to take a picture because you can go to the notes and in real time, you could actually follow the notes in your app. Glory <laughs> to God. Right now, you can go to it under the notes section. You'll see some of the points are up there, all right? 
uh, before I even say it. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right? So listen, listen. Relationships are like a garden. Everybody say garden. Everybody say, aw. All the men don't say aw, right? Because we masculine, because gardens, you know, hey. So watch this. <laughs> relationships and, re- and tending to healing relationships like a garden. Here, I'll tell you why. What do you have to do in a garden to make sure the flowers and the shrubs and the trees are all healthy? What's, the, what's one of the things you got to do? You got to water it, right? Is that Water it, right? Water it. Okay. What else do you have to do in addition to watering? Okay, that's good. I didn't have that in my notes. Fertilize it. Okay. So, so that's called adding, adding value and, and things to the relationship, right? So in marriage, you need to water your marriage. That means, watch this, that means you add. Everybody say add. That means you add uh, love, you add, add romance. So you put fertilizer, you put a little Holy Ghost sazon in there, a Holy, Holy Ghost adobo in there. <laughs> All the non-Spanish people, that's just a really bomb spice, right? Sofrito, right? You put a little Holy Spirit in there. Watch this. That's adding to the relationship. Watch this now. You guys haven't said the second one. What's the next thing you got to do to make sure a garden is green and fresh? Take the, prune and take the, take out the weeds. Because weeds grow in grass. Oh, you ain't hearing me. So watering is addressing Weeding, sorry, is, is adding. Water is adding. Weeding is addressing. When you weed the grass, well, I feel the Lord here. When you weed the grass, you're not, water, you're not attending to it. You're not just adding to it. You're taken away from it by addressing something negative. But watch this, guys. Watch this, watch this, watch this. What happens if you ignore the elephant of the room called the weed on your grass? It's going to destroy your garden, even if you are watering it. Even if you are pouring uh, uh, all the fertilizer that you want, if you're not addressing weeds, <laughs> in this generation that sounds funny. If you're not addressing the weeds in your garden of relationships, your relationships will sh- choke and stifle. Why am I saying that? Because I believe many of you are trying to water your garden, but you're not addressing the weeds. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, so, 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 so what are some powerful ways? Now listen, if this stings a little bit, good. You never want to get to a place where the word of God is not stinging you a little bit. It's not sharpening you a little bit. Listen, I've I heard a preacher say, if, if you go to a church and you never say ouch every now and then, you're in the wrong church. <laughs> and I'm not saying ouch to hurt you. I'm saying ouch because there's weeds there that we got to address together. It's not going to magically happen. Now, I'm going to share this with you. Some of you guys who've been in my class years ago, like Pedro and, and all you guys, I, I used to do a class called the Beatitudes, right, at OHAP. And that was, I actually wrote a book on it. It's on the side. Uh, I think the third year now I could be able to edit it. But it's a book all about inner healing. But 80% of that book on inner healing that I wrote that's not edited is on the Beatitudes. And watch this. I'm, I'm going to share this real quick. I want you to zoom in, all right? Some of the powerful biblical ways, put that slide up, that we could experience reconciliation with each other is by being a peacemaker. Say peacemaker. Come on, say it loud. Say peacemaker. Say it one more time. Say peacemaker. Look at what the Bible says in Matthew 5, 9, just so you know. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, in the New King James Version, is going to be up on the screen. Jesus is giving blessings for these types of progressions, and he gets right to the middle. And he says, bless, or a little bit to the end, bless are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. In other words, you will look more like the, 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 the sonship, daughtership of God, representing God when you make peace with others. He says you're, you, you will be called sons of God. Now watch this. It is not automatic. This blessing is not automatic. He didn't say everyone is going to be a peacemaker. He said only those who are peacemakers I will bless. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, there's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper because, oh, man, a peacekeeper will compromise truth and stay silent in the midst of injustice to avoid drama and get a false sense of peace. A peacekeeper will say, I don't want to say anything in this table about this person. I just want to stay silent, and I will continue not to say anything because if I say something, it will cause drama, and then I don't want drama, so I'm going to just have a false sense of peace by keeping it, by not addressing it. In the right tone, by the way. You don't address something in a wrong tone and say, I'm a peacemaker. The Lord told me to tell you you're wrong, and all these years. No, 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 you're wrong too. Listen, watch this, watch this. You can say the right thing in the wrong tone and it'd be the wrong thing. You could say say the right thing in the wrong tone when it comes to reconciliation and it'd be wrong. You know, I know, you know, you did this to me, right? And that that was you were a jerk for doing that. I just want to know, I forgive you though. You don't know all the years of pain that you caused me, but you know what? I released you yesterday. You know, You, you can't do that. Watch this, watch this, watch this. A peacekeeper, he didn't say peacekeeper, he said maker. A peacekeeper keeps the peace and doesn't confront situations to get a false sense of peace. But the problem never gets healed. A peacemaker never compromised truth in order to gain peace. A peacemaker never compromises truth to gain peace. A peacemaker will actually say the truth to get peace. You, you know what that means? Is looking that person, God forbid, dead in the eye and say, we need to talk. What happened to the good old-fashioned ways of saying we need to meet up and we need to talk and we need to, we need to square things out? Whatever, whatever happened to the biblical old-fashioned way when we said, you know, there's a difference between me and you and I, and I'm going to stop playing the hypocrite every time I go to church and I'm at, mad at you and, I'm, and I don't say anything to you or, we're in a, or I go to family gathering, gatherings and I don't say anything to you. Hey, there's something in my heart that's not right. Can we meet? Peacemakers will make peace and address truth in love in order for God's peace to come in in that relationship. Come on, say amen. Say amen. And, and so, yes, yeah, amen. Give the Lord a big shout of praise for that. You know what a peacemaker is? This is reconciliation. Look at, put the peacemaker slide up there. A peacemaker is one who makes wrong things right. A peacemaker makes, everybody say, a peacemaker is one who makes Wrong things right. Can I just be very transparent? It's very easy to stay silent. Because in your silence, you are uh, not addressing issues that you know will cause pain to you because it will bring back memories. But you know what else that needs to happen when peacemaking? It needs to require humility on your part. You have to humble yourself and say, you know what? The blood of Jesus squash this. I feel the Holy Spirit. See, God is already moving here. We need to squash this. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be best friends with that person uh, all the time, but it does mean that the seed of offense leaves your mind and your emotions and your heart because you are a ticking time bomb. Let me tell you, if you don't get that right now, every other relationship that you have will be tainted through that offense. Don't expect time to heal an offense. Don't expect time to heal a broken relationship. Time won't heal it. Addressing it will. Look, look, guys, look, look. If you want reconciliation, you and I must make peace. Again, even if they curse at you, even if they don't want to, you do your part. And you get that offense out. And you get that bitterness out. Do not stay silent any longer. You know why? Because it's never going to leave you if you stay silent. Things are not going to magically get together and better. You must be a peacemaker. Come on. So there's the true work of reconciliation and restoration comes in three major expressions of peacemaking. And I've said this in my class years ago, but there's many, 80% of you that have never heard this. All right? Everybody say three levels of peacemaking. Come on, three levels of peacemaking. Now, we're talking about getting right with people, all right? Say people. All right. 
Number one, the first level or, or, or a category of reconciliation through peacemaking is being at peace with God. Let me, all right, let me, I'm going to cover all of them because there's people in this room. You may not have beef with other people, but you are silently mad at God because you've prayed for something for a long time and nothing has happened and nothing has changed. And you're developing a silent anger towards God and you don't have peace with God. If you really talk to yourself really good, if you really listen to your heart, you'll see that you are an angry person at God silently because he hasn't come through like you expected him to come through. Huh? Peace at God does not mean the person standing in the funeral person with a coffin. This brother is at peace with God. That's not what the, that's not what the Bible is talking about here. Being at peace with God. Being at peace with God, there's so many elements I'm not going to get into it. There, being at peace with God is, not, is, is, number one, making sure you examine your heart that you're not secretly mad with God for something that is currently happening in your life, has passed in your life, or that he's allowed, and you're questioning his goodness. And, and then all of a sudden, it will evolve into, I ain't going to worship you. I ain't going to do that because you didn't do that for me. Come on, just search your heart. You know, you know, you know, I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to do that. No, I ain't going to do that. Why don't you do this for me too? Being at peace with God is important, and it's more than just you having beef with God. Another angle, and I'm not going to go deep with it, but it's in, the, in James. You know what, how another way that you could be at peace with God, reconciling, is we're not identifying ourselves with the worldly lifestyle. That's how you're at peace with God. I won't get into that right now, but the Bible says in James that those who, who want to call the world their friends have made themselves an enemy of God. So I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about, do you, watch this, don't raise your hands. Answer this in your spirit as I'm preaching. Do I have any hidden anger towards God because he has not gone through with exactly how I prayed for years? Or because he allowed something? Or because he has not answered anything specifically about what I've been praying for? Don't raise your hands. Think about that. Are you at peace with God right now? Right now. Do you have any issues with God? Think about that. A lot of times when people get hurt in the past, they get abused. They, if they don't get healed, if they don't get this part right, watch this, watch this, watch this. This is key. If you cannot be at peace with God, you cannot be at peace with people. If you have some, some silent issues with God, you're going to be a <clears throat> to everybody. Everybody, you're going to just be a short fuse to everybody. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen today. The second level of peacemaker. Are you getting something this morning? I'm giving you a Bible lesson, okay? I'm, gonna give you, I'm giving you a deep Bible lesson. The second level of peacemaking when it comes to reconciliation is what we're talking about mostly right now is being at peace with others. Say peace with others. Are you at peace with your spouse? Are you at peace with your kids? Are you at peace with your leadership? I'm not talking about agreeing. You don't have to agree with me, but we can still be at peace. I'm, ta- I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about every night there is a, uh, or every morning there is a anger that doesn't leave a, 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 a a unforgiveness that develops, a bitterness that develops because of a situation relationally. How many have been hurt by somebody? Come on, all of you or us, that's you had to repent from lying to. <laughs> have an altar call for lying. <laughs> all of us at one point have gotten hurt by somebody, okay? This second level, it means that you are not holding any grudges, being at peace with others, that you're not uh, holding grudges. You're refusing to forgive people. Now listen, I want, this is going to be old school. Ready? But we need this today. What I'm about to say right now is so simple, but I guarantee you, and I don't say this boastfully, many Sunday morning churches are not talking about this. And you know what this is? It's this. Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, your sins won't be forgiven. That's not preached anymore. That's not preached. Jesus Christ said, if you refuse to forgive another person, your sins will not be forgiven. If there's any motivation to get past your flesh and get past your selfishness and get past your hurt, is that reality right there. I, I may not want to do it, but I want my sins to be forgiven. And let me tell you, I've said this before and say it again because this is my message until I die. It's this. Forgiveness doesn't, it doesn't condone what happened to you. It doesn't, but it sets you free. It doesn't set the other person free. The other person can keep on doing what they're doing. It sets you free the moment you say, I forgive. Look at what Matthew said. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 14. Are you getting something? Look at this. 
Look at this. If you forgive, Matthew 6, verse 14, NLT. If you forgive, just so you, so you new, new, newcomers don't think that I'm just preaching out, out of nothing. Look at what Jesus said. If you forgive those who, who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Wait. The precursor to that is, hey, there's good news. If you are willing to forgive those who hurt you, he says, I'll take care of the rest. It's almost like I see God saying, you just do one step, get out of the way, and I'll do the rest. I'll work for you. You forgive, thank you. You get your heart clean, you forgive, you release, and I'll do the work. See, the, 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 we're, we're so frustrated, frustrated because we're trying to heal the relationship. And the Bible says one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. So your job is just planting and watering, planting and watering, planting and watering, planting and watering. And all of a sudden, God says, thank you. I will take that water and plant it, and I will bring healing to their heart. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Watch this. Look at the next verse. Are you ready? Look. It's up on the screen, and it's in your Bibles. But if you refuse to forgive... Your father will not forgive your sins. Guys, in this cultural age of love does everything, don't speak on that, don't do that, we have forgotten that in our anger, we are allowing ourselves to get into deeper bondage because sin remains. We, uh, I don't care how you interpret that. If you cannot look at me in the eye and come with any theological revelation, that will convince me that, say, that says it's okay to hold unforgiveness towards someone and, the, and you still be all right with God. There is no scriptural reference to that. So it's absolutely vital and important that we close the wound. Say close the wound. Close the wound. Close the wound. Close the wound with God. Close the wound with others. Are you ready for the next one? This is a shocker. The next level, the third level of peacemaking is not only being at peace with God, not only being at peace with others, but being at peace with yourself. Now that sounds really new agey. No, 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 don't, don't, don't turn me off. I'm not being new agey at all. It's not self-help. It's forgiving yourself for things that you've done in the past that you know have hurt other people. And you have no problem forgiving other people, but you can't forgive yourself. That is also bondage, and you will not be able to reconcile a relationship of any kind if you refuse to forgive yourself. You need to let yourself go. You need to say, you know what? I made some mistakes. I contributed to this. It was because of my sins that have caused this, and I acknowledge it, but I asked for forgiveness from God, and you know what? I'm going to forgive myself. Some of you are holding yourself captive because of a mistake, and you're not identified by a mistake. You're not identified by something that you did wrong. Let me tell you something. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit here so strong right now because I believe marriages are getting rocked by the enemy, not because there's a demon in your house. It's because you haven't forgiven yourself. And spouses haven't forgiven them. Let go of the shackle that's been around your neck, my friend, for all these years. And yes, you did wrong. Yes, but we all do wrong. We're all in the same boat. Ask God for, to, to forgive you and don't do it again. Here's what I love about the adulterous woman. The adulterous woman, think about this, guys. I know this is graphic. The adulterous woman was caught in the act of adultery. I'm not talking about, hey, we heard as this lady did that. I mean, again, we're all adults. In the act, they took her out while she was cheating on her husband and brought her to, her to Jesus, threw it on the dirt. You know what happens? The, the, the Bible says that Jesus was, was scribbling on the dirt, and he says, he who has no sin casts a first stone. Now, now, what was he doing there? He was saying, I know that this is extremely shameful for this woman right here. Although she's sinning, I got to make sure that she doesn't fall into condemnation. And shame. So watch this, watch this. Watch this. He, I'm going to prove to you that he does not just let the sin go. He, but listen, he first doesn't address the sin. Come on, Kevin. I know you like this. He doesn't first address the sin. He says, he, he gets up, who has no sin, cast the first stone. I can imagine these rabbis going, that's not, I just did something that nobody knows. 
the next rabbi, the next leader said, man, I just cursed my wife out last night. There's no way I could throw this stone. And the next person says, like, oh, man, I just, I just cheated on my taxes just last month. There's no way I could throw this stone. One by one, boom, 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 boom. And gets that lady who was caught on adultery, watch this, looks at her, whoo, and says, where are your accusers? Tears running down her eyes. There is none, Lord. Neither, watch this, peace with yourself, do I condemn you. But watch this, watch, I love this about Jesus. He doesn't end it there. He goes, go and sin no more. He addressed the sin after he affirmed her. Oh, shaitan, Can you imagine the shame of being in front of everybody, half naked, and being accused of something that you actually did? And Jesus made everybody leave, and just her and Jesus' eyes locked and said, I don't condemn you, but I don't approve of that sin. For between me and you, go and sin no more. Don't do it again. Listen, guys, at that moment, she was, if she could not forgive herself after the master forgave her, then Really, that was the pit of the darkness for her. But I'm telling you, I say to you, in order for you to forgive yourself, you need to hear these words. Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I. But go and sin no more. Do not believe just because he says I don't condemn you that he is not seeing the activity behind closed doors. Make sure you address that with the Lord. I feel the Holy Spirit here. There's unavoidable biblical com combinations for reconciliation that we need to apply that brings great freedom and healing to others. I did this illustration about two years ago, and it's so powerful. The Lord, Lord said, do it again, because sometimes we need to hear it over and over again. Some things are opened by one key. I have a key to my office, and only one key opens that. But guess what? There are safes that have a lot of things in it that don't require a key, require several combinations to open. Woo, there's a lot of things in your spirit that are locked up relationally that just doesn't go away with one little key. There's many keys that you need to apply, many rotations, so that you could give it. And I've identified five major keys sorry, combinations, to unlock completely the issue of hostility between people, between family, between friends, between relationships. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because I'm going to give this, these combinations, but before I do, I want to address, we're, gonna have a, 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 we're having a Bible study here, okay, if you don't mind. Now watch this. This is key. This is key for me before I get to the five combinations, all right? This is key. No matter what happens with you, Jesus said this. Zoom in. Jesus addressed the person that has been offended and hurt, and he also addresses the person that offends somebody else. Jesus addressed both. So in this room, I want you to hear this, because when someone has something against you, Right? When you have something against someone, say, when I have something against someone, here's the combination. Again, I'm going to just give you scripture. All right? In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Oh, God, this is going to preach for a second. Listen to me. Look at this. Verse, verse 15 through 17. All right? Look at this. When Jesus, the Bible says this, if your brother sins against what? You. Go and tell his fault. Look at this. Listen, listen, listen. You need to zoom in on this because in this world of social media, with everybody posting their drama on social media, it's not biblical. Moreover, if you brothers and sisters against you, go and tell his fault between you and him alone. Alone. Now, I can't believe this person. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. And I'm trying to be faithful. And everyone's watching. You know what you're doing that for? Oh, I can't believe they did that to you. Oh, and you have all these comments. So, oh, I can't believe they do that. That is unbiblical reconciliation. You are not to solve a relational problem by blasting it on social media. If your brother sins against you, watch this. Go and tell him his fault between you and him 
alone. The problem is that we're not mad enough and we're not woman enough to talk to people alone because we hide behind our social media. We're strong behind our social media. We're giants, but we're wimps when it comes to trying to confront something that needs healing in our life. Oh, yeah, we're Superman with our words. But when it comes to saying, you know what, I need to stop this and I need to set up a meeting. Do you know what? In this last year, last year, there was people that not because I did per se anything wrong, but because I was stuck in the middle. Because I am a pastor and I have to be neutral. There's people that left me. Not because I did something necessarily wrong. It's because they were expecting something out of me. That's a whole other sermon. You want to get reconciliation? Stop with the silent expectation. Don't, don't. Don't expect something silently from your wife or your friend or your pastor without talking about it first because you may agree to it, but they may not. You have to address, don't address, well, he should know that this. So, so what happened is I, I, I lost a couple of friends and it hurt me. But you know what? Two years later, uh, after that offense, I, not them, I didn't wait for a phone call. I prayed, yes, and I said, Lord, I want this back. Lord, I want this friendship back. Lord, I felt, I feel, I'm just being transparent. Lord, I, I feel that I'm, you know, it wasn't my fault and I'm stuck in the middle because I had to be a pastor. Blah, blah, blah. I called this person. I texted them about um, in December. I said, hey, I just want to let you know uh, I've been thinking about you. And you know how when you write that text and you, like, think about it ten times and you don't send it, but then you send it, but you know, you, drive, you, you paste it to yourself and you're like, no, I don't I didn't, I was afraid of how they would react, but I just watched this. I reached out and said, who cares how they respond? I want to get this right. Even if we're, we're not close friends again, I want to let them know that if I did anything wrong, please forgive me. Right? For you and him alone. I texted them and I said, hey, I just want you to know I miss you. You've been on my heart. I've been hesitant to tell you, but I just want to let you know I love you. If I did anything wrong, forgive me. And I said, and I said something to the effect like, I feel like I lost a friend. Because I've been neutral in ministry. This person uh, sent me such an incredible text back, right? We went to dinner. This is a true story. We went to dinner, my wife and I and, and the couple. When I saw this person, he hugged me in front of like, it was a really nice restaurant too, for like a minute and wouldn't let me go. And he told me, I'm sorry for getting you involved. You should have never been involved. We both shed tears and now we text each other and the relationship is healed and better than before. Honest to God. But that didn't happen by just saying, Lord, please talk to them and let them know that I have a pure heart. And let them know that it wasn't me. I went and made peace. And the Lord did the rest. Can I hear an amen? Now watch this. Here's the second part. The second part is when they have something against you. Now this is a little hurtful. Because you may be like, look, I, you know, I'm not hurt. I mean, I'm, I've addressed all my issues with people, and I feel I'm not hurt anymore. I let that go. Well, how about if you know that something is not settled, and you know that maybe your actions have caused hurt? See, let me pause and say this. You know why people don't get reconciled? It's because we focus so much on ourselves. And we focus on our need instead of, you know what, what did I do to maybe cause pain? Now, again, that, that's not slipping into condemnation. It's saying, if I know someone is offended about me in a relationship, I'm not, I'm not talking about me speaking at, to 175 people and me guessing who's offended at my message. That's not what I'm talking about. Then I have to repent all day. <laughs> I have to go to every one of you. Did I offend you? Did I offend you? That'll be bondage. That, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is relationally, when you know there is a fracture in that relationship, listen, you know what Jesus said? You can't escape either. So it's not only the one who got hurt. It's also the one that knows they caused hurt. Look, watch, watch. Reconcili We're talking about reconciliation today, right? Put that scripture up there. Look at this. This is good. Matthew chapter 5. By the way, Matthew chapter 5 is just read it over and over and over and over and over again. Matthew 5 verse 23 verse 24. Are you ready? I know we're going a little late, but please don't leave. This is good. Look at this. Look, look at what Jesus said. Look at verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way first and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift to God. 
Here's what the Bible says. The gift of work, what he means by gift is your gift of service to the Lord, your gift of worship, your gift of preaching, your gift of whatever you are doing for the Lord. If you're constantly doing that and worshiping the Lord, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit reminds you, you know what? You have not addressed this issue. You are angry. You said some words and you pierced that person's heart. And you know that, yeah, they did something to you too, but you also can. If you know that there is a relationship that's close to you, that someone is hurt by your actions, and you have not come to them to seek reconciliation, that's also something that will be incomplete in our restoration process. But it takes humility to admit that we, God forbid, have the capacity to hurt somebody else. Because God, you know, not us, not us. We will never, uh, everybody, it's everybody is really hurting us, but we will never hurt anybody else. You know what, Jay, remember Jabez? Remember Jabez? Everybody wrote a book about Jabez, the prayer of Jabez, a little book. But there's like a couple verses in the Bible, in Chronicles. I want you to see this. And the Bible says he was more honorable than any of his brothers, but he realized, he prayed a prayer. At the end of his prayer, God answered him, but he realized, I don't want to cause people pain because if I cause people pain, it could also destroy their calling. Let me tell you something in the fear of the Lord. I don't want to cause pain to someone in my flesh. I'll say that again, in my flesh. If, if the Spirit of God and the Word of God cuts your heart to conviction, that is beautiful. But in the flesh, if I, if I wound you in my flesh, I may cause your destiny or be part of your destiny to be slowed down. And guess what? I will have to stand before God for that too. You will have to stand before the Lord. Now look at this. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> and I'll have to stand before the pulpit too. Look at this. <laughs> so watch. Watch this. If your brother and sister, uh, there, remember there, you have a, uh, something against them, leave your gift there and, and first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gifts. Okay? Why, why do I say that? Because if we're not careful, we will hold that to it. Now, I want the worship team to come. I want the worship team to come because I'm, I'm ending with this. I'm going to give you five, the five combinations. that we had, I said this about uh, a year and a half ago. But uh, I want you to end it with this. Our union with Jesus. I want you to hear this, this quote that I wrote. Our union with Jesus in our times of worship or service to the Lord is deeply connected to our honor of others. Let me tell you that again. I'm going to say that again. Our union is not going to be up there with Jesus in our times of worship and service to the Lord is deeply connected to our honor of others. I want you to pause because I can feel the Holy Spirit moving here today. What are areas that you have been silent about and you're not getting breakthrough when it comes to relational conflict? Now you may say, I've heard this, I've actually heard this, so, so this is not me making it up. I've actually heard people say in the purity of their heart, well, pastor, you don't want, they don't want me to control because I have a temper. I have a temper, so I, that's why I don't confront people. Well, first of all, that's your problem. You need to deal with the anger first between you and God, but don't translate that anger when you're trying to reconcile with another person. Because fire and fire only makes more fire. That's why Proverbs 18, sorry, 15 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, not a hard answer. Could you imagine there's fire over there, and I say, Enrique, hurry up, give me a torch and douse that fire. It's going to be more fire, but that's what reconciliation needs. Somebody has to be water. And so I, I say this as the, as the worship team comes up. There's five codes. Say five. Four of them. I, I'm, seriously, I'm going to end with this. Four of them. Are you getting something this morning? Four of them are found in this verse. Right? The first one is already implied. Okay, And the first combination, remember, to unlock this safe, not a key, it's five turns of your heart. Number one is forgiveness. We've been talking about that all service. So that's number one. The next four you're going to find, are you ready for this? In, in one couple of verses, you're going to find the next four combinations of biblical reconciliation, all found in Matthew chapter 5. But I'm going to warn you, I'm going to warn you, A, is simple, and B, we're not, we're not doing it, most of us. Here it is. You have heard, let's put it up there, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Who's talking here? Come on, who's talking here? Come on, who's talking here? You have heard that it was said, 
You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I'm going to see if you could guess these four, all right? But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. What? That is counterculture, especially in our church. I mean, our, our, our demographics like, oh, no, you did that to me. I'm going to do that to you. Watch. Do good to those who hate you. Listen to this. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father. For he makes a son, hallelujah, rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Do you not even do so for yourself? So here's the combination. Are you ready to open the lock? Let me give you a, a clue so you could be a little bit more desperate. You know who the lock, you know who the safe is? You. You're the safe. And inside your safe, there's bitterness. There's anger. There's regret. There's hurt. There's condemnation. There is a little bit maybe of unforgiveness. There's that elephant in the room. All these things are inside your 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 safe. Right? Maybe you're mad at God. Maybe you fall into the first category of being at, not at peace with God because you're angry at him for him allowing something or not doing something in your life. Come on, amen. In order to unlock that out of you and be really free, here's what, you got, here's what Jesus said you got to do. Number one, forgive. Everybody say forgive. The second thing to unlock that safe is love your enemies. Everybody say love. Love is important because love, the Bible says in Corinthians, keeps no record of wrong. Doesn't mean that there was no wrong, it just keeps no record of wrong. Some of our marriages need to hear that. Some of our relationships, even ministerially, need to read that, hear that because some people are, are, are jotting everything down that the other person does. Love keeps no record of wrong. You wanna know the recipe? Jesus said the recipe, forgive, say forgive. Then he said love. So you turn. Forgive. Turn another way. Love your enemies. Love. Everybody say love. Now watch this. This is what I had to do. You turn it the other way. Here's three. Here's three. Bless. Everybody say bless. Now I'm not only talking about I bless you with money. I'm talking about blessing them with your words. Oh. Are you guys with me? Are you guys with me? You good? I woke up, true story. This is absolute true story. I was so deeply wounded two years ago by a relational conflict. Never in my life have I experienced like that. Like I just, when I started the church, we experienced favor, but then I, I experienced, the, to the degree of favor, I experienced a degree of hell just coming at me. Praise God, I'm still standing. We're still standing, right? Amen. I remember I was so hurt. I mean, I went to a parking lot. It was in Fort Lauderdale. We were somewhere. And I cried. I, this is the first time I'm opening up this. I cried and I cried and I cried and I wept and I wept. And I had worship music on. And I kept, I kept asking, Lord, forgive me. I forgive that person. I didn't feel that a breakthrough. I went to sleep that night. And when I went to sleep, I woke up. I am not exaggerating. It was so deep. I woke up. Half groggy, like this. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. And I said it three times, then I woke up. And I realized that I was, my spirit man was saying, bless those who curse you. And I I bless you. I was sitting next to my wife. I go, I bless you. I bless you. I got up. I said, bless you. I bless you. I bless you. And I felt the Lord say, start blessing them. This is for somebody here. You've already forgiven, and you already try to show love. Start blessing them. Lord, I bless so-and-so. And, and let me tell you, at first, I'm going to be real with y'all. At first, I was like, bless them, have a good day. Bless them. And I didn't want to bless them. I didn't want to bless them. Bless them. And it, it, it became like, Lord, bless them. Bless them, Lord. Until I began to have compassion for them that hurt me. Forgive. Love, bless those who curse you. Now watch this. Do good. That means physical acts of kindness. Woo. 
Wait, to who? To those who hate you. That means you will discombobulate or have the power to discombobulate all the hate and all the anger that they have towards you by not only loving them, not only forgiving them, not only blessing them, but doing good for them. You know, I'm I'm going to cook. I'm going to cook for those people that did me wrong, and I'm going to serve them. You know what's going to happen when you do that? Something is going to break in your life. Something is going to break in their lives when you start blessing and doing good to those who hurt you. I don't care who you are. Something will begin to break in your heart. And and all of a sudden, I began to be freer because I thought, well, I just kept forgiving and forgiving and I wasn't getting a breakthrough. But the moment I started blessing those who hurt me, the moment I started, watch this, texting them and saying, I'm thinking about you. God is my witness. I did that. I'm praying for you. And I got no response. My heart became alive. Watch this. Do good to those who hate you. Fifth one, pray for those who spitefully use you. Are you, watch this, praying more than you are criticizing in your private time? Years ago, I was in a conference call, and I'm ending, so I feel the Lord, with a whole bunch of pastors. And I remember there was a, a famous pastor in town who had just been on the news and, uh, and, and doing some shady stuff. And I remember sitting in this conference call with all these men of God and, and uh, all of us, including me, were like, you know, I can't believe this. You know, he's doing this to the body of Christ. I can't believe what's happening. And I, you know, what a shame. What a disgrace. And, you know, all the stuff we were saying was right. All of a sudden, there's one brother. You know, there's always that one brother or sister that drop, drops a truth bomb and makes you feel this small. And all of a sudden, this one brother, this one pastor says, hey, gentlemen, I have one thing to say to you. And I'm like, yeah, you know, what, what? what? <laughs> he's like... Until we've wept for him more than we pray for him, we have no business criticizing him. And I admit, I didn't even care for that guy's soul. I was criticizing him because of what he did, and not once did I weep for his soul. And I said, Lord, I don't have that in me. Give that to me. And we all, it turned into, Lord, bless this person. Pray for this person. We began to pray for this person. Let me tell you something. Here is the spiritual antidote. Forgive. Love, bless, do good, and pray, forgive, love, bless, do good, and pray, forgive, love, bless, do good, and pray for those, and then the safe will be open, and then all that junk will start coming out, and it doesn't matter if that person received it or not, now you can lift up your hands without condemnation, tears are running down your eyes, and say, if it never gets the same again, it's okay, because I did my part, and the Lord has freed me from this hurt. Come on, everyone stand up to the Lord, come on, hallelujah, let's give the Lord a big shout of praise here. Come on, everyone right now, lift up your hands before the Lord. We're going to do a worship song because I feel that there's people in here that this message hit home. And maybe you've been, a pe- you've been wanting to be a peacemaker, but there's three levels of peacemaking, and you're in this room. You need to be at peace with God. Some of you, you need to be at peace with God. In other words... Is there something that you're holding a grudge to because he hasn't answered? Number two, are you at peace with others? The Lord gave you five combinations today, my friends, my brothers, my sisters. The Lord is giving you the combination of freedom. What would you do if right now someone says, there's a five-code combination that I want you to memorize in Bank of America, and you do that, and you have access to $3 million? Would you not remember that? Come on, would you not remember that? Would you not remember that? I'm pleading with you by the Holy Spirit. Remember these codes. Forgive, love, bless, do good. I can't do good. Listen, and pray. And number three, and then we're going to worship just for a second. Our worship team, we're going to worship, so get ready. Are you at peace with yourself? Are you at peace with yourself? 
Are you still holding things that you did five years ago? Are you still holding things that you did three weeks ago? And you say, I am not a good Christian. I keep falling, and God, I, I'm, a, I'm trash, and God doesn't deserve me. The Lord says to you, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hands all over this place. You follow those three categories, and you know that there's some action that needs to be done on your part. I want you to lift your hands. Come on. You know there's some action that needs to be your part. Come on. Either you're, you're at peace with God, you need peace with others, or you need peace with yourself. Come on. Raise your hand right now boldly if that's something that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, even while I'm speaking. Come on. Don't neglect this moment. Come on. I want you to hands you be upraised. Come on. I want you to lift up your hands right now. We're going to worship this one last time. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.